Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, happy Thursday, everyone. This is your host, Jim Ventura. And thanks for joining me today, whether you're catching the show live or in archive. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, first time tuning into the show, let me tell you a little bit about uh, me and our show before we kind of get started. Uh, again, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. Uh, what that means is uh, my expertise is in astrology and numerology, tarot, um, all kinds of different oracles that I have worked with for many years. Uh, I do sessions with people working with oracles and giving them insight here in my home office in Phoenix, as well as uh, phone consultations if you're interested in any Thing like that, go to my website at jimventure.com and you can uh, get some information on um, some of the different services that I offer. I'm also a blog columnist, monthly column called Snake Oil, just like our show here, uh, as well as radio show host and author of a couple of published books. Again, all that info, check out my website uh, if you want to get added to the monthly newsletter column mailing list. Email me at venturasag.com at yahoo.com, B-E-N-T-U-R-A-S-H-E at yahoo.com, and uh, you'll be able to um, get the monthly newsletter. It's free and it's blind copy, so no one will get you get your email address from me. It won't get shared. And uh, you'll get access to, uh, again, check out my columns as well as discounts on readings and promotional specials and things that I do and lots of good information each month. Okay, so there's the sales pitch. Uh, usually I do about three shows a month on Thursdays, sometimes four. Um, got some different formats for each show. This is my first show uh, of this month. Uh, too much going on last uh, Thursday that I couldn't actually get to do the show, so I'm finally getting it to today. And uh, first show each month I do is my live column read. I read my current column live and uh, then go into a discussion about that and some other things that are going on give all my listeners some insight, uh, more about the column, and also you know, just some, sometimes there's some things happening astrologically and stuff that I like to share for the first show. Um, this will not be a call-in show, so if you're calling in, uh, sorry, not going to be taking calls on today's show. I don't take calls uh, on the uh, first of the month show. You're welcome to listen in, but again, not a call-in show. If you want to... Um, if you're interested in calling in for a free mini-reading, uh, those are the astrology shows that I do, the Astrology Listener's Choice shows. That will be October 23rd, the next one. So call in during that show if that's what you're looking for. We usually get to three or four callers uh, each show. And then sometimes I do, when I have guests, I also allow people to call in and talk to the guests and ask some questions. And I will probably be doing that in November. Next time I have another guest scheduled. So you'll have a couple opportunities for those options. Um, so, again, next show will be not until the 23rd. I'm actually going out of town uh, for a couple of days uh, this coming weekend, going back to New York, where I'm originally from, and that should be uh, interesting, to say the least. Okay. Um, this is, again, because it's a live column read show. I'm going to read uh, this month's snake oil column uh, just to kind of uh, give you some insight if you haven't already uh, received the column or heard it. Uh, I want to give a read on that, and then we're going to talk a bit about it. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about this uh, Mercury retrograde thing going on, too, because I think you'll get some insight into some personal things you may be going through with a little extra insight on that. But let's start with the column. 
so this month's snake oil is actually called uh, Sweet Nothings. And I actually originally wrote this column 10 years ago. It was one of the first columns I had written when I started doing the column. So this is a repeat run, even though I don't think I have reprinted it in the last 10 years, though it is contained in my first book, Snake Oil Volume 1. So again, the snake oil is called Sweet Nothings. I spent most of my life craving something sweet after meals. This quite physical craving has decreased dramatically over time. Throughout my childhood, we typically had dessert after dinner, and sugary cereals were part of most of our breakfast. Mom kept chocolate bars or some other similar special treats in the top drawer of her dresser, and every once in a while she would surprise us with a treat from that magical place. As a child, I love that freaking drawer. Sweets became associated with feeling lovable. Mom had learned from her strict German mother not to be comfortable with physical displays of affection. She was more at ease giving her children these love substitutes rather than hugs or telling us that she loved us. Today, my body no longer has such a strong craving for sugar. On the rare occasion that I do indulge and eat too much of it, I feel physically uncomfortable afterwards. My recent physical shift to no longer crave sweets coincided with a psychological emotional shift. I finally no longer need a treat to feel good about myself or to know that I am lovable. When I was 22, after four years of working out with weights, I was still eating fast food fairly often. As I pursued enlightenment physically as well as spiritually, my body also became more sensitive. I began to have different reactions to every fast food place I visited. Difficult reactions, I should say. To every fast food place that I visited. After eating this type of food, I would experience uncomfortable stomach aches followed by even more painful bathroom trips. It wasn't long before I stopped eating fast food once and for all. I've always listened to my body. Overindulgence with alcohol has never been a problem for me. Even when I was younger and drank a little too much alcohol, I still knew my limits. I feel discomfort in my lower right side if I drink more than my body can handle. A few times in my life when I did push the envelope, I would end up gladly skipping any form of alcohol for days and sometimes weeks to clean out my system. I've always had ease around all this and all other forms of intoxicants. I've never been addicted to any substance for any extended length of time. I sometimes see long lines at Taco Bell and other fast food places. Lots of young men and women, as well as a number of people in their 30s and 40s, wait at the drive-thru to pick up their food. I wonder how their bodies still let them get away with eating this type of garbage. To the fast food chain's credit, they are beginning to add salads and other healthier foods to their menus. This is, without question, a wise move. Still, I know that any type of food, good or bad, is better when prepared with care and love. Aside from eating food that is easier for the body to digest, energy and intention do influence us whether we believe it does or not. Eat garbage and food prepared without caring for the art of cooking itself. Does anyone really think that the often pissed off 17-year-old making your fries loves what he or she does? And the result is a body and spirit that feel like garbage. Our bodies speak to us all the time. The trick is to learn how to listen. 
As I approach 40, my body is lean and healthy. I am in the best shape of my life. I'm beginning to see washboard abs hiding happily behind, beneath my shirt. No South Beach diet, no pills or cabbage diet or had anything to do with this. This seems to be the opposite of what I've been told all of my life. The typical belief I've endlessly heard is that it all goes downhill after 40. Your, mid-sy- your midsection will expand, you'll inevitably get fatter with age, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm not interested in programming my life with these and other types of negative beliefs. I may have kicked my sugar addiction, but the holidays are right around the corner. Christmas, cookies, candy, homemade lasagna, and turkey with all the trimmings await me. Pick out time of year will come and go, and I will enjoy it. I always do. may even gain a few pounds, but it doesn't worry me. Self-control seems easier now. I like this lighter, lean body, and I have no doubt that I'll keep it for a while. Okay, so I wrote this column in in October of 2004. Actually, I probably wrote it in September of 2004. So we are literally talking about 10 years ago, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Again, I'm sort of amazed that I have um, been doing the column as long as I have. The radio show I've only been doing for about five years. Uh, But the column I started 10 years ago. Um, So we've got quite a few of them under the belt. In fact, again, I have a, a book, Thekoi Bong One, that's already published um, with the first four years of the column. So uh, that's available on Amazon. You can, you know, uh, buy that through me, through my website. It's not expensive. Uh, in fact, I realized something very funny. Um, ran across this a while ago. I Googled myself, and, yeah, you can insert all kinds of sarcastics and comments to that when someone says they Google themselves. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I Googled myself, my name, and, you know, here's the funny part is, like, for Jim Ventura, I, you know, above all other Venturas and Jim Venturas, I am all over the place. So it's kind of impressive at this point, I guess. I've done enough shows and things all over that I'm all over the net. Um, but uh, I did this out of curiosity, and I got to, uh, I actually came to a page that was like a, uh, I guess it's like a discussion kind of place where people, talk, and I don't know what it was, but it, it was like a, I can't think of what the word is for it, but it's like a stream of people having a conversation. And I ran across someone saying, I've been trying to download this snake oil material um, uh, for free, and if anybody knows a way to do it, let me know. So I, I don't know if I was annoyed or sort of impressed that I guess I'd reached enough sex, success that people are trying to steal my writing and my material. They could just buy it. Uh, but apparently, I guess this is kind of a big thing with people illegally downloading and stealing things. I had a friend years ago who never, ever uh, paid for cable. He had an Internet connection, and all the, like, shows, you know, Sopranos, uh, you, know, uh, well, you know, all the good stuff, Spartacus, all the things that are all over the, uh, all of the cable channels that we pay big money for, um, he wouldn't pay for any of it. He, he found sites where you, after it ran, someone would illegally illegally downloaded and he would then steal it and be able to download them and watch them too. And You know, I always kind of thought that that was a little shady. I guess I kind of get it, but for a metaphysical person, I, I still think you're kind of stealing, dude. You know, so I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to get into any judgment about him and, and what he did or didn't do, but it was a little odd. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I officially have people that tried to steal my material, so I guess I should be annoyed, but mostly I'm just sort of impressed. It's kind of funny. Uh, 
don't never really made a lot of money from books anyway too i you know i've sold you know hundreds of books but it's not really a huge profit margin uh, i certainly make more income from doing personal sessions with people so um let's talk a little bit of the column and a little bit about what i had written here so yeah this is called sweet nothings and you know i think i decided to run this column again uh because it was 10 years later, and I was actually on that cusp of getting ready to turn 40 when I wrote Sweet Nothings. And now I'm on the cusp of getting ready to turn 50. So, you know, I, I, when, I, when I wrote the column, I always, you know, if anyone who's getting my column knows, I have an editorial. So, in other words, I write a column, and then I often talk about maybe a little more about that particular column, or I, mean, I talk about other things, uh, but sometimes I'll comment further on it. And I did in, in this particular editorial, because again, 10 years later, now I'm turning 50. And, you know, I have to admit that, you know, when I look at all the differences from me turning 40 and me turning 50, really overall they're not that significant 10 years later. Um, Definitely don't have a six-pack. I have a six-pack behind my little belly, uh, but I, I can truly say I have a little belly. I don't, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty buff and in shape. I do prioritize that. I always have, and I still do. But there's a, I could drop 10 pounds if I wanted to be more lean, probably 12 if I really want to get ripped. But you know, at this point, I actually kind of like having a little bit of sort of that thicker disposition. Um, it, it, I'm not really that interested in, in trying to keep a six-pack. Uh, although in the summers, I, I usually kind of get a little more that way, just because it's Arizona, too, by the way. It's like 110 degrees during the peak time here. Who the hell wants to carry a lot of extra weight? So totally get that. But, you know, a couple things really. The, the main things that changed, definitely as healthy now as I was 10 years ago. No, no change that way um, whatsoever. In fact, my allergies and sinus stuff, I still have, that was always an issue that I had, much more minimalized. I think with acupuncture and a few treatments I've had with it, it has really helped clear a lot of that up. So that seems to be far less of an issue for me. Other than that, I'm, I'm really just as healthy. I guess I've been very lucky that way. Um, the, the two things that I really could note about getting older are, one, I'm more gray. Uh, you know, I was kind of red, blonde, little brown, kind of calico colors in my hair, body hair, things of that nature. Now gray got introduced to the picture. Not a lot of it. A little gray in my beard. A uh, little gray hair. Some of the hairs on my chest are gray. Overall, though, not too much, but a little gray added into the mix. And I'm not going to color my hair or anything. I think grays can be very attractive, both on men and women. So silly to try to get rid of it. Um, other than that, the big thing that kind of changed was um, eyesight. I started having to wear reading glasses around 44. 45, about four or five years ago, I started having a tougher time seeing small prints. And I remember that whole stage of being like, how come they're making prints so small? And, and then the light bulb kind of went on and I was like, dude, they're not making print any smaller. You just can't see it. So uh, I had to commit to getting reading glasses. And a funny commitment because I, I never wore glasses in my life, by the way. I've always had excellent vision. I still do. Um, I just now wear reading glasses when I uh, have to kind of read small print, and even sometimes the computer screen, it makes it a little easier. Um, but I, I actually can get away with the dollar store reading glasses. I don't seem to need anything more than that. My other vision, driving, seeing everything else, seems to be still flawless. So uh, not that big a deal. In fact, a couple of years ago, I worked in a restaurant um, when the economy was in its horrible place, and I went back to some part-time work. 
And the owner kept saying, every time I'd look at a small print, I'd pull out my little glasses out of my pocket. He'd be like, I don't know why you don't just get LASIK and get that fixed. And I was like, well, I could spend a grand or two on LASIK, or I can just use dollar store reading glasses. I think that's my solution. <laughs> so one, he didn't understand that. But to me, I did. I don't have surgery on my eyes when I don't have to. It's not that big a deal. So that's it. Those were the two big physical changes that I that I experienced. Um, and that's pretty cool. You know, what I had talked about in the piece, I was talking about initially the whole sugar addiction thing. And, you know, I'm still in a pretty good place with that. I still think I have more sugar than I probably should. Um, but I definitely don't OD on it by any means. Again, same thing. If I have too much of it, I tend to feel very uncomfortable. So, uh, you know, I think that the times when I'm most indulgent probably are when I'm at a casino uh, because I do go to the casino, local one, about three times a month. I go to Vegas every maybe two months or so for a couple of days. Um, I tend to be a little bit more indulgent in Vegas, um, but and that's usually more in that I smoke cigars. And uh, I so I'll smoke sometimes like four or five cigars in a day while I'm in Las Vegas, and the tobacco definitely can throw you. But never smoke cigarettes in my life, by the way. It's just something I like to do when I'm in a casino. I like a cigar. Um, people around me sometimes don't like it, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't really bother me. I, I'm cool with that. I'm not going to go sit in the middle of a bunch of people that are non-smokers and smoke a cigar. I'll sit somewhere, no one's around light up a cigar, and then if someone sits next to me, that's their decision, and then they have to deal with it. Although, I also get a lot of people that tell me they love the smell of the cigar uh, as well as the ones who don't like it. But um, that's why I'm a little more indulgent. Sometimes I'll have a milkshake or something a little more extravagant in Vegas. I'll have a cocktail or two. But still, overall, it just has never been something that I have um, been in my life that necessarily indulgent. I'm definitely indulgent in the sense that I like good things and I think that taste good. But I guess not so much in terms of really getting caught up in the trap of addiction where it becomes truly problematic. In fact, I've actually mentioned this on other shows. I want to bring this up for everyone to hear again, in case this is kind of new to you. But um, I wrote a column a couple of years back that I have rerun, and um, I had talked about how that the different substances that we tend to kind of become addicted to or drawn to actually... Um, mask something. So you know, sometimes I'll have this with clients when I'm talking to them about themselves or relationship. And like uh, sometimes, like uh, for instance, like the king of cups in a tarot card reading reverse would often suggest a man that's got issues emotionally where he's overly emotional or not emotionally enough or overly sensitive or someone that prefers fantasy to reality. And often another attribute of that card can be someone who has addiction issues. And, you know, when I brought that up with clients, sometimes they react and they'll say, well, my husband, my boyfriend, my wife, my girlfriend, you know, whatever the situation is, you know, I don't know if they're necessarily addictive. And then I actually begin to explain that a little further. Because I think for most of us, when we hear the word addiction, that little thing triggers in our head and we start thinking alcoholic or drug addict or sex addict or something more extreme. But most of us, yeah, listen, we're human beings. We have a tendency to have things that we can sometimes be a little addicted to. You know, for some people, it's being addicted to working too much. Some people are addicted to feeling love. Some people are addicted to, uh, you know, golfing or various other things. So addictions aren't always necessarily about, um, again, alcohol or drugs or things that we normally would think become problematic. That said... 
what I had written about in the previous column that is always kind of interesting to bring up is all of the most common substances that we tend to kind of sometimes overuse actually mask something. And, and let me give you examples of this because it's really kind of cool information because it will make total sense to you if you're not aware of it. Um, some people are aware of some of them, some people are aware of none of them, just understanding where this comes from. So the most commonly overused substances, of course, are things like alcohol, tobacco, uh, sugar, um, caffeine, marijuana. These are the things that people can sometimes get overly indulgent about. And when you think about it, what these substances will do when you take them into your body is they actually have an effect on you emotionally and psychologically as well as physically. So and before I, and I'm going to tell you what each of the things mean and, and what happens in just a minute here, but just so I get clear with everybody, listen, I'm not, I'm not some saint kind of holy roller who never has caffeine or never has a drink or, you know, come on. I mean, to me, one of the beauties of being alive in a physical body is, is having some healthy indulgence from time to time, enjoying good things. Um, but we can get heavy-handed with them. And often people will get heavy-handed with things when they're going through emotional, psychological stuff and, and can't rectify that. So one of the more obvious and, and common, of course, is people who drink too much. And what alcohol does emotionally and psychologically is, what, is basically alcohol masks fear. So, you know, it, it, this is, it sounds so simplistic, but it really will make sense if you think about it. You know, there's that old Eagles song, Take Another Shot of Courage. It's not a song. That's a line from it, by the way. Um, Kila Sunrise. Uh, uh, I think that's just a line from the song anyway. Um, but well, that's what alcohol does. So even, a little bit of alcohol tends to make you a little cockier, a little stronger. Um, it tends to kind of mask your normal fear. That's why a little bit of alcohol can sometimes be a good thing, because maybe you'll get up and sing karaoke. Maybe you'll flirt with that person you would normally have been afraid to talk to. Um, you know, it can help to lower your standards a little bit, you know, when it's quite, when say beer goggles. You know, maybe sometimes that's not always the worst thing. But when we indulge it and we hit too much of it, typically, again, it does mask fear. That's why a lot of times people will say, hey, I, I did... You know, I slept with your sister, or I, did, I, I cheated on you, or I, did, I got into a fight or some other terrible thing when they've had too much alcohol. But it makes sense, because if, if it's masking fear, then again, a small amount of it can be a good thing. But too much of it, of course, is going to sometimes take, make you take actions that may not always be the brightest. Um, a little bit of healthy fear is not the worst thing. You know, I mean, listen, going up against, uh, if you're one person going up against a, a gang or, or someone uh, that's a lot bigger than you, maybe a little bit of fear is probably useful. You know, so I don't definitely not a big person to, a proponent to saying we should be fearful. But what I am saying is that in small doses, it, it's kind of healthy at some levels to not always think that we, you know, not to be, you know, overused bravado in that way. Sometimes that can get us into trouble. So that's what alcohol tends to do. Another common one is tobacco. Um, people, what tobacco does is tobacco masks powerlessness and anger. And so when I say it masks it, what I'm saying is it temporarily blocks those emotions and those feelings or subdues them at some level. So this is really obvious. I mean, if you think about if you're a smoker, you totally will get this. Um, if you're a non-smoker, you can probably get it as well, too. If you look at people when they're smoking, 
a lot of times, you know, I always remember this when I had jobs. I was annoyed because the smokers actually got to go outside and take a cigarette break. If you didn't smoke and you stepped outside, your boss would often be like, what the hell are you doing out there? The smokers were allowed to because they smoked a cigarette. But you can kind of see this sometimes with people when they're smoking, that sort of group of people kind of puffing away at a cigarette, being irritated and frustrated, and if she talks to me that way again, too, I'm going to punch her in the face. And You know, it, it's interesting to watch it because that's, in essence, what it does. It tends to mask that sense of feeling powerless or angry in some respect. And making sense, when do people typically start smoking? Teen years. So we have all these endless campaigns about... You know, it's the tobacco companies pushing tobacco on people, and to some extent that's true. But really, the other reality is this. A lot of teenagers feel powerless um, and angry. So the natural inclination is going to be a reach for a cigarette and something that will mask those uncomfortable feelings that they're going through. So the other things to factor in. Again, I think that this is an important thing to consider. So if you're a smoker, often one of the things that you have to understand and grasp is in order to quit that particular addiction, you may have to really, really look at um, whether you are, there's areas in your life where you feel powerless or you feel angry. Because again, a substance that masks something isn't really curing it. It's just temporarily making you not feel as uncomfortable about that issue. So the other ones that are common, of course, are sugar. That's what I was talking about with sweet nothings. What sugar does when we ingest it is it makes us tend to feel um, loved. It releases kind of that same sense in us. Many of us, like me, were raised as children where you got a treat if you were good. Um, Mom was busy or had too much going on, and they gave you a candy bar. They got you ice cream. You tend to begin to associate that with feeling lovable. But it is really a biological thing in that sense. In fact, if you look at diabetes, which, again, I'm not staring away from the fact that that's a very physical thing, but people that become diabetics often the energy pattern behind it is an inability to accept the sweetness of life. And you can often see that with, with people that are diabetic. So there are emotional psychological patterns behind all of these things. But for most of us, like I said, for sugar, that's what it tends to do. So it really took me a long time to subdue that craving. That was very much part of my childhood. We always had dessert after dinner. We always felt deprived if I didn't have dessert. Um, and so it's still sort of associated in my psyche in a way that I kind of wish that it wasn't. But I have gotten a lot better about it just because I don't really like the way sugar feels when it is coursing through my my body. You know, just a little bit of it's fine, too much of it. Uh. So the other one um, that's connected with sugar as well is chocolate. And, and chocolate also does the same thing, of course, it, it masks feeling lovable, but it has a little bit of sexual connotation to it. It tends to satiate or mask one sexual urge or urge for intimacy in some ways. That's one of the reasons why chocolate's popular. It has other purposes behind it, but uh, it is, uh, that's what it sort of does psychologically and emotionally. In fact, I had a friend years ago who was an artist and a poet. Uh, he passed a few years ago, but he was very talented in some of the... He used to actually channel poetry. And um, he wrote something. I still have it on my wall. And let me read this to you. It's actually very cool. He did this kind of image of a Victorian-looking woman sitting on a pillow. And it says, um, what do you feed dreams? Hope, desire, love, faith, trust, courage, and chocolate. 
one must have all seven if dreams are to be made real. Well, at least chocolate. I love that <laughs> because you really tapped into something in a very profound way, very beautiful written piece. He was someone who always struggled with finding love. Really, he suffered a lot in this life. He could never find, you know, true love, true idealist in that way. Uh, and uh good person, but definitely a classic, always going after unavailable people for for love. And when, when someone did love him, he wouldn't find them attractive. You know, so unrequited love game went on there. So yeah, chocolate, that's what chocolate tends to do. So another one that is probably the most common of all that people tend to crave is caffeine. Um, you know, obviously you see this with coffee and, and tea, and you see this with sodas and various things. People drink this stuff like it's going out of style. Um, what caffeine does is caffeine masks everything. It's like a collective. It masks every single thing. <laughs> that You know, mass anger, powerlessness, feeling unlovable, sexual energy. You know, it just masks everything. That's what caffeine does. So that's like the crowning achievement energetically. Um, that's what's funny because I'm actually going back to New York, and uh, one of the problems that I always encounter when I go back to New York is my friends and family are, like, compulsive about drinking straight coffee. Um, I, for the last probably 15 years of my life, have been very, very clear about um, cutting my coffee intake by, by using decaffeinated coffee. So I still will, will make co caffeinated coffee, but it's usually like three-quarters decaf, one-quarter regular. In fact, when I'm in like a Starbucks, a Dunkin' Donuts, or a coffee, a lot of times I'll order a half-calf, and most of them know what that is. And occasionally, I had one time where someone, I ordered a half-calf, and she gave me a half a cup of coffee. <laughs> I was like, it was really funny. I was like, can you fill up the cup? She said, well, you wanted a half-calf. I said, I didn't want to have a half cup of coffee. I want half caffeine. And she was like, oh, cute, dumb kid. Um, but uh, so I go back to New York, I run across this issue because they'll drink straight coffee. And I can't have that much caffeine. I can have maybe one cup. And then those are like, oh, you know, I made all this coffee and I'm drinking. And I'm like, I had a cup. Well, I have another one. I can't. I don't like too much caffeine. I hate the feeling of it. It's just, ugh, not for me. A little bit, love it. Too much of it, ugh. You know, so uh, very, very, very funny. So those are some of the major ones. There are, Obviously, there are other ones. I think salt has a lot to do with keeping us grounded. There's something connected with that. But, you know, when it comes to things in nature, and, of course, all these things are natural in their own way. Uh, you know, you get processed sugar and all that, but it's still ultimately sugar in and of itself is somewhat of a natural thing. Um, they all have a purpose. You know, just like plants have healing properties and good and bad and, and all of those things. So, I mean, we, we always have to remember that. But the, the key in, I think, for most of us is that when we get too indulgent on something or we lean on it, because, again, if you're a smoker, you can kind of know this, um, being smoking tobacco mess, powerlessness, and anger, smoking a cigarette is going to satiate you for a while, but it's not really going to bring you power. It's not really going to truly, in the long run, help you get rid of your anger. Um, I have often suggested, listen, work out. Work out regularly. It's kind of hard to smoke when you work out regularly. It just becomes almost like an antithesis of it. Yeah, and I, listen, and I, you know, as someone who smokes cigars on occasion, 
You know, I, I, I think a, a, a good cigar is an amazing thing. It's a little different. You're not really taking it into your lungs, but it is more intense, and you still feel the effects of caffeine. But for me, for the most part, I typically smoke cigars, again, when I'm in a casino. And because I'm kind of playing the games and I'm kind of riding that up and down of luck, not luck, hoping to get in a bonus round, hoping to get a good hand in cards and all that adrenaline, I think that the pissed off sometimes when it doesn't make it or I, you know, it, I didn't get what I wanted, I think the tobacco kind of sort of does something there. So I know it's not the best thing in the world, but in the larger picture of things, pretty few indulgences, so screw it. Plus, I always, like, brush my teeth fairly quickly after I smoke a cigar because I'm very fanatic about keeping my teeth clean, um, very, very anal about such things. Okay, so those are some of the basics um, that, that come up. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I was writing about here. Uh, and 10 years later, um, I, I think I've always had this thing about not really getting trapped and aging in the way that you're quote-unquote supposed to. Um, so, yeah, I can say between 40 to 50, that shift for me, not that, you know, not that uh, not that big a deal. Um, so I'm assuming between 50 and 60, I'll see some changes too, but not necessarily, you know, um, such, a, such a downfall or a detriment uh, in those terms. Um, but, you know, and, and over time, I mentioned that my mom always had sort of a tough time giving out affection. She's definitely got somewhat better over over the years and over time. Um, and she's still my mother. She's still the way she is. She's 81 years old now. But uh, so I don't expect her to be in it other than what she is. But she definitely has shown quite a bit of, uh, a little bit more of a mellowing out of some of her resistance to being affectionate. Um, my mom is diabetic, by the way, now too, um, which of course doesn't shock me in the slightest, uh, physically as well as energetically. Um, but she, she's managing it, so it's not... Uh, by no means the end of the world. Um, okay, so I wanted to mention one other thing in today's show. We got about another ten minutes to go here, and um, my apologies. I don't know. I had a couple of callers jumping in, uh, and uh, like I said, I, I don't really like to take um, the live calls because I want to kind of share a bit of information from the column and usually some other things that are coming up. And since it's only a forty-five minute show, I can't really get to it. But I will be doing some live calls on the twenty-third. So you can call back in during that show. I usually I talk about current astrology for about 20 minutes, and then I usually take another 20, 25 minutes to take calls uh, after I get to the astrology information. Uh, but with these shows, a lot of people listen to them later on in archive, and I, I and I, I people seem to enjoy my shows. So I kind of want to give them that information. But I do want to talk a little bit about some basic astrology now because we've been in it for a while, for about a week now. Um, we have been in a Mercury retrograde in Scorpio definitely seeing this a lot with uh, my um, a lot of my clients and even for myself in terms of how this is operating. So, you know, Mercury rules how we think, how we communicate, how we express ourselves. Every three or four months, Mercury goes retrograde for about three weeks, meaning it looks like it's going backwards. Classic Mercury retrograde type of things is communication screw-ups, miscommunication, uh, you know, just, you know, I always say we become, communication becomes dingy. Just it, it doesn't because it, the planet's going backwards. Our rules how we communicate. So even though it's not actually going backwards, it just looks like it is from Earth's perspective. So we we also tend to kind of rehash a lot of issues as well. So this one started off in Scorpio. So what it has been doing, and I've definitely seen this myself, um, is it's bringing up a lot of like issues relating to where we have power and where we don't in our life. Um, and also a lot of very guttural reactions to things. Uh, more about that in a minute. 
But the first couple of days into the Mercury retrograde, I one of the first days, actually, it literally when it was going retrograde, I had gone to the bank, made a deposit, and it wouldn't allow me to deposit, so I had to go through the drive-through. I pulled away, and the moment I pulled away, I realized that I had left a card in. So I immediately kind of drove around, pulled back in, and the card was swallowed. Um, Wells Fargo, uh, if you don't take the card out within 10 seconds, it just takes it and shreds it. <laughs> and uh, I was pretty pissed. But I also know that, like, that's probably a good thing. Uh, if the person, if someone had come up behind me and, and just took my card, yeah, listen, they can use that for a couple of things if they weren't the most savory of characters. So I had to go in the bank, and a temporary card was pretty annoyed. But I also knew, I guess it's kind of good that they have that in play. Um, and they charge you for replacing the card. And they gave me a temporary card right away, so I got all pissed off about nothing. Um, and then uh, two days later, I found out I was overdrawn by $160 in my checking account. Meanwhile, I had put a deposit in, and I knew it was in there, but they hadn't some, I put it in on a Saturday. It didn't go through. Oh, so I had to go to the bank, figure all this out. And then it turned out that I didn't even, I wasn't going to overdraw anyway. It would have been sort of saved, solved that evening, and then would have rectified, even though they took money out of my uh, overdraft protection, they were going to replace it, and just total annoyance. So, again, stuff like that. I had a client that came last night that was scheduled for 7.30. He showed up at 6.30. Um, I was just getting out of the shower, too, and he was ringing the doorbell, and I get there, and, and he, he's like, you yeah, well, know, we were set for, for 6.30, and I was like, no, I wrote 7.30, and I looked at my book, nope, it was 6.30. So that's that's the normal Mercury retrograde stuff, you know. Just you got to be prepared for it. It's a couple of weeks of that, but because it's in Scorpio, we have an added element to this, because Scorpio is sort of that really kind of deeper part of us that can be very powerful, really influence people in a very strong way. But it can also tap into the part of us that can get pissed off, or jealous, or possessive, or angry, or hurt, or you know, and and want to retaliate. Listen, if you are a Scorpio, sun, sun, moon, sun, a rising sun, you know this. You can be the gentlest, most wonderful human being and loving as can be. But if someone pushes your button, someone messes with you in that way, listen, Scorpio, you know, you guys know who you are. You can really think up some devious things. <laughs> and that's it. Listen, I have a little Scorpio in me. It's my Venus is a Scorpio. I know this well. Uh, the sun isn't sad, so it tends to mellow me that way. But I got a bit of it. I know. I, I you know, I even had an overreaction the other day to a, a perceived uh, manipulation that ended up not really being, you know, that much of a manipulation. I was just overreading it. So you may be going through some of that, that kind of feeling some of that guttural stuff coming up. But the interesting thing about this particular retrograde is this, the, Mercury is now moving into Libra again. It was only early into Scorp. So that's pushing back into Libra. Probably by now it is. Definitely by tomorrow, I think, they'll be back in Libra. So what you're going to kind of get a feel of is like a lot of issues that you feel almost overreactive with or feeling like there's a power struggle, and then sort of a day or two later or sometimes hours later coming come to the conclusion that maybe you were overreading it, overanalyzing it, becoming too suspicious of what others' motives might have been. Um, positive whole of Scorpio in its expression is I desire, but it's negative as I'm suspicious. So, yeah, sometimes it's that, you know, that detective mind that Scorpios tend to have that's really usually quite brilliant. Because sometimes you could be too much of a detective where you're kind of misreading motives and things and becoming a bit overreactive. So a lot of people going through some of that stuff. Just had a client here an hour ago, wonderful 
um, young woman in her, in her, in her mid-20s, and she booked her session because she was very frustrated. The power struggle had come up in a relationship, and she kind of got here, and she said, you know, I almost canceled because I kind of sort of solved it. I realized I got impatient. I overreacted. I was misreading my fiancé's, um, you know, uh, uh, perception of things. And But, you know, we still had a good session, and we talked, and, you know, and we got to talk a little bit about her impatience and that dance that happens in any relationship where, you know, you have to kind of switch gears in relationships because for most of us, that urge to win, to be right, becomes an important thing. But you feel like if you're in a partnership, in a relationship, you've got to get away from that idea of winning or being right and look at it being where how can both of us win? How can we find a way to negotiate and compromise where there is no loser, where, you know, the other person understands me, we can find a way to get both our needs reasonably met. Or So, yeah, that becomes definitely a dance, a very scorpionic dance in that sense that, that absolutely can be done if we're willing to focus the right way on being able to do that. So this particular retrograde, by the way, is in effect till about the 24th or 25th of the month. So we got another two weeks to go on this retrograde. So uh, it's around for a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's what you're going to kind of get. You'll kind of see where it's sort of an opportunity to look at where you have power um, and, and where you don't and where you may not necessarily need it and where you may not need to keep battling against um, that feeling that you may lack power or influence in a certain area. And then it also can really get us in touch with the, the powers and abilities that we do have because scorpionic energy has a lot to do with the idea of how we influence, how we manipulate, how we maneuver, how we affect um, other people, persuade, how we, you know, we use that power in this world. But again, don't get caught up in that trap that people do about it, it being bad. You know, power can be used appropriately and beautifully and in a very, very good way to empower both yourself and the people that you encounter. So this doesn't have to be a negative, but... Again, you know, expect that little dingbat syndrome that I like to say that can be part of Mercury retrograde. You know, a lot of people get very nervous and they kind of contact me and they say, you know, I'm thinking of buying a home or should I just wait until the retrograde is over? And that wouldn't necessarily be my advice. My advice as an astrologer would be to, when a Mercury's retrograde and you're doing something important like contract signing or things of that nature, I don't think you have to get so paranoid that you don't do them at all during the retrograde, I think a better approach would be to just sort of remember to dot your I's and cross your T's. Go over it a few times. Look at it again. Get very clear on what you're doing, what you're signing, and how you're doing it. Same thing with communication. Maybe, you know, if you're sending someone, um, you know, directions to, to, uh, to meet you somewhere, or like I know when I send clients directions to my office during retrograde, sometimes I'll send it twice to make sure that they got it just because maybe it got lost, you know. Um, so that's what I mean. So don't don't get so frozen where you don't act during this period. You don't have to put your life on hold. Mercury retrogrades aren't that. They're common enough that, listen, they do happen fairly often. So, you know, we've got to kind of ride with you. You don't have to stop life when they occur. Okay, let's say we're coming to the end of our show here. Uh, again, I wish I could have got some calls, but I really did. I want to get this information out for today's show. Uh, thanks for trying. I will be back on the 23rd. Feel free to call it then. Um, if you're not already getting my monthly uh, newsletter, email me, Ventura Sag, V-E-N-T-U-R-A-S-H-G, at yahoo.com, and I will add you to the monthly 
mailer newsletter list. Again, it's blind copy, and what that means, guys, is it'll probably end up in a spam folder, but it's a monthly column, and no one will ever get your email address from it. So you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I do not share email addresses. Um, that's what a blind copy means. Uh, but it, it's a great column. It, it's definitely you, you'll, you'll, you'll gain a lot of benefit from it. I do have clients tell me that they love when they get my column, and I love hearing that because uh, I, I do think I'm a good writer and i got some good information to send out. Um, and uh, if you're interested in any of my other services, check out my website, jimventura.com. You can get some information that way. And uh, anyway, all right, it's been a good show. Uh, wishing everyone the best for October. Happy fall. Weather is gorgeous here in Phoenix. Dropping down into the low 90s, upper 80s during the day and the 60s and low 70s at night. So happy, happy times. Um, but we'll be back again in two weeks for my astrology update show. And everyone have a awesome week ahead. And we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.